So sometimes when you read the Bible, you're going to come across a verse and, or, or multiple verses, and it's just going to make you ask a question. And the question that it might make you ask is this, what? Anybody been there before? You read a couple verses and you just go, huh? What, what does that mean? That's kind of confusing. Raise your hand if that's ever happened to you before. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be honest with you guys. The verses that we're going to read this morning, most likely, after we go through and we read them, you're going to go, huh? What? What does that mean? But listen, the Bible says that every single word of God is breathed out by him and it is profitable. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So that means even whenever you read a passage of scripture that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, and you're going, I don't really understand why that's in there. How is that helpful for me? You can be confident that it is helpful for you, that God has put it in his word because there's something for you and me in there that we need to get out of it. So the verses today, they're they're a little bit confusing. They might seem a little bit all over the place. And I'm not going to lie, when I was preparing for for this, I was going, wow, what do these verses mean? And and I'm just going to tell you, like I I had so much fun putting together this sermon because of how much I learned. And I'm like really, I'm always really excited, but like I'm especially excited to tell you what these verses are saying because you're going to be like, wow, you're going to get wow. And listen, I'm just going to give you, I'm just going to show you all my cards right now. This is what I'm hoping that the sermon does this morning. That at the end of it, every single one of you, saved, not saved, first time at church, been in church a lot, doesn't matter. What, what my goal is for you to all just think to yourselves, wow, wow, salvation is awesome. So Peter has been talking about salvation The first nine verses, that's what we've been through so far. He's been talking all about salvation, the salvation that we have in Jesus. And he says the salvation that we have in Jesus, it gives us hope. We have a a living hope because of Jesus, because he is alive. We have hope forever. No one can ever take your hope away because if you're a Christian, you have Jesus and nothing can ever change that. And as a Christian, you have joy. And no one can ever take the joy away from you. So whenever you go through hard times, you can still be joyful through it because you have Jesus. And you're saved for, uh, you know, you have this inheritance, the Bible says, that it's unfading, that it'll never go away, that it will always be incredible, that when we get to heaven, it's, it's never going to get boring. It's eternity, and every single day in heaven is just going to be like, wow, this is amazing. It's never going to get old. It's never going to go away. So Peter's been talking about this salvation, about the hope that you have, about all of these things. And what he does now in these verses is he kind of zooms in on a few different types of people. And he says, hey, even even these people have been proclaiming the salvation. And and he wants to get his readers to the point where they're just saying, like, like, wow, I am so blessed, I'm so privileged that I get to know about this salvation, that I get to be a part of what God is doing. Now listen, like I said, you can easily, you can easily fall into the trap. You can fall into the lie that says not all scripture is important. People will say, oh, you know, you know, whenever it's just a whole chapter of people just naming names and places, that's not important. You can skip it. No, you can't. 
You shouldn't see any verse in the Bible that way. It's all important. All right, so as I read these verses in a minute, do your best to not just think to yourself, okay, whoa, like I'm, I'm going to check out. There's nothing for me here because there is something for you here, and I can't wait to tell you, so I'm just going to stop telling you that. I'm just going to start telling you what it says, okay? So just do me a favor and pay attention. Do me a favor and lean in and work hard to pay attention. Do me a favor and stop talking to your neighbors and listen. First Peter, First Peter chapter 1, that's what we've been in in our series in First Peter. Open up your Bibles to the book of First Peter, chapter 1, starting in verse 10. Now, like I said, Peter's talked all about so many things, about who Christians are. Christians are exiles. They're elect exiles, that we don't belong here. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from heaven we await our Savior. We have hope, we have joy, we have peace, we have all of these things. He's going to talk more about the salvation. So 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 10, it says this. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. So like I said, I I want you this morning to be amazed at salvation. Here's point number one. I want you to understand what salvation is. Before we can make sense of the rest of what Peter is saying in these verses, we have to understand what is salvation. And I know we've been talking a lot about it because that's what Peter's letter is talking about in the beginning, but we're going to talk more about it because I have to be sure that you at least understand what we're talking about. You have to understand the concept of salvation. What is this that we're talking about? He starts off the section by saying, concerning this salvation. We, we, we talked about that word last week, this He's referencing back to something. He's referring back to something. And what he's talking about is he's referring to what he has already talked about in the letter. That salvation, the things that he's talked about. He says, concerning all of what I've written in the first nine verses. And then he goes on to talk more about it. But that's the salvation that he's talking about. He's referencing the salvation that you have that is available to you through Jesus. And if you've been to church a couple times, maybe just one time. You've heard people talk about salvation. You've heard people use the word saved. Maybe you've been asked before, hey, are you saved? Maybe you've asked someone else that question, hey, are you saved? Maybe someone has asked you the question, hey, how do I get saved? Or maybe you've asked the question, how do I get saved? The point is, when we're at church, you talk about this word salvation, and being saved all the time, and you have to understand what it is and what it means. Maybe you've heard someone share their testimony before, and they started off by saying, this is how I got saved. This is the story of my salvation. So the word salvation, it should always make you think about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You should always think of Jesus Christ when you hear the word salvation. When someone talks about getting saved or being saved, the gospel of Jesus Christ is that in the beginning, 
God created the heavens and the earth. There is a God. He is a real God, and He's creator. He created the heavens and the earth, and this God who created is holy. He's perfect. He is sinless. He will never, and He cannot, do anything wrong and do anything sinful ever. He is completely holy, completely set apart from everything that He's created. And God is just. That means that God is right. He will always do what is right. He will always uphold justice. And it's important for us to know that because of what happened in Genesis chapter 3. That's where the fall of mankind happened. That's when Adam and Eve sinned. And when they sinned, sin entered into all of humanity. All of creation was then stained by sin because of what they did. And now if God is just, if he will maintain his justice, then he must punish sin. That's the just thing for him to do. If you, let's say that you guys are all driving. You're not, you shouldn't be because that'd be scary. But one day you can drive and that'll be good. Let's say that you're driving though. And somebody hits your car and and they drive off. It's hit and run. You call the police. Somebody hit me. They ran away. The police get this person and then they go to court And they go to court, and let's say the judge says, you know what, hey, I'm feeling nice today, so the person who hit your car, you're you're free to go. You don't, you just, just get out. You you don't have to do, you don't have, you don't have to pay anything, you don't have to, you know, no ticket, nothing, like, no responsibility, you're free to go. If that was you, your car had gotten hit, you'd be like, what? That's, that's not fair. That's not right. Because you would expect the judge to uphold justice. Understand? So God is just, and he must uphold justice, which means he has to punish sin. He has to, and he will punish sin. And so that means that you and me as sinners, what we deserve is to be punished by God. There's no way around it. You've all done something wrong. I've done something wrong. We continue to do wrong things all the time. And sin must be punished. But God is is holy. He is just. God is also love. God is love. He provided a way for us to be saved. He has provided a way for you and for me to not be punished for our sin. He's provided a way of salvation. He sent his son, Jesus. Jesus, he lived and he died as our substitute. He took our place. That's what 2 Corinthians 5 talks about. So Jesus is God. Jesus lived a perfect life. He did not deserve to die. He hung on the cross as a criminal. He didn't do anything wrong, but he hung on the cross. And when he was on the cross, he took all of your sin, everything that you've ever done, your sin nature. He, he took it on his shoulders. And when he was hanging on the cross, he took the punishment for sin that you and I deserve. God punished Jesus in your place. He's your substitute. So once he did that, then his body died. He physically died. And they took him down off the cross and they put him in a borrowed tomb. And I say the tomb was borrowed because why? What happened on the third day? Talk to me. Somebody tell me. He was raised from the dead. 
He did not stay dead. He defeated sin. He defeated hell. He defeated death for you and for me. His sacrifice was enough. He's the perfect, spotless lamb of God. His sacrifice was enough to cover, to atone, to to cover our sin. And God says, if you will repent of your sin, if you will agree, if you will say, yes, I am a sinner, I am a sinner, I have sinned, God, I have sinned against you, and I deserve to be punished. If you repent of your sin and you put your faith, if you put your trust in Jesus, you will be saved. That is how you are saved. That's the only way to be saved. You say, Jesus, I'm putting my trust in you. You save me. I don't save myself. I don't work for salvation. It doesn't matter how much money I give away to the needy people. It doesn't matter how nice I am. It doesn't matter the good things that I do. I have to put my trust in you in order to be saved. That's it. So the salvation that we're talking about, the salvation that is given to you, it's a gift to you when you put your trust in Jesus. That's what Peter has been describing this whole time. That's what he's been, he's been talking about this entire time, for this entire letter. Right? He talks about in verse 3, he says that it's, it's God's mercy. It's God's mercy that he saves. It's, it's through his grace that he saves. And in salvation, you're born again. You're made new. When you trust in Jesus... And you get saved, your old self is gone. You're made a new creation. You're born again. And you're born again to a living hope. Jesus is our living hope. You have hope of eternal life that when this life comes to an end, you'll be brought into eternity with him forever and ever and ever. And it will never, ever go away. It will never fade away. But listen, that's not the best part. The best part is that you'll be in the presence of your Savior the, Jesus, the one who, who lived and who died and who, who, was, who, who raised from the dead, you'll be in his presence. That's the best part. And it's eternal. It's forever. And the only way for you to get there, the only way for you to be saved is to trust in Jesus. That's what we're talking about. This is living, living hope. And this would all be a lie. The Bible says this would all be a lie if Jesus was not raised from the dead. Paul, the Apostle Paul says that without the resurrection of Jesus, then Christians, above all people, would be the most to be pitied. You know what pity means? To feel bad for, to feel sorry for. If Jesus, if his body was still in the grave, then the whole world should feel very, very sorry for us because we believed in a lie. But we're not believing in a lie. Jesus is not still in that tomb. He's living. He's our risen Savior. And through trusting in Him, that is how you can be saved. So I want you to understand what salvation is. And if you don't understand, if you still have questions about it, what does this mean? What are we talking about? Talk to your leaders. Talk to your parents. Come talk to me. Say, hey, I, want to, I need to know more about it. I need to know because I want you to understand what it is, and I want you to put your trust in Jesus so that you can be saved. The Bible, from start to finish, is all about this salvation. It's all about the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. God declares his salvation of sinners throughout the entire Bible. Old Testament, we meet these people, these men, called prophets. 
prophets, what they were doing is they were predicting the future. They were predicting future events. And they weren't just doing this because they were really smart. Prophets were actually being used by God. God's very word was being spoken through these men. And what God was doing is he was predicting the future. Not, not just cool things about the future, but what, one of the things that he was prophesying was that a Savior would come. So when you're reading the Old Testament, there are, there's prophecy after prophecy after prophecy directing you, pointing you to, hey, in the future, God is going to send a Savior to save you from the punishment that your sin requires. So these prophets, they're talking about these things, they're, they're, they're prophesying these things, and it's important for you to understand what we're talking about. So here's point number two. I want you to write it down this way. Know the importance of biblical prophecy. So you've got to understand what salvation is in the first place if you're going to know the importance of biblical prophecy. You need to know that it is important. The salvation, this salvation that we just talked about, this is what the prophets were prophesying. This is what they were talking about. They were pointing to the future, that the, that the Messiah is going to come, and, and He is going to provide the way for us to all be saved. And He says, hey, this grace to come, this grace will be yours. Peter was writing to the Christians that had been dispersed, the ones that were being persecuted. He's writing to them and saying, the grace is yours. But not just them. This is for us today. Christians today. We're reading this today. When he says yours, that's you and me. The grace that was to be yours that came through Jesus. The prophets were prophesying all about this. I want you to Imagine that you went to a, a movie. That this afternoon you go and you see a movie with some friends. You get to the theater, you sit down, movie starts, and you're introduced to the main characters. And then a few minutes into the movie, you're introduced to the problem, right? So the plot is unfolding. Guys, pay attention, please. Stop talking to each other in the back. You're introduced to the problem. You, you see the, the plot of this movie. Any good movie has a problem. That's, that's the plot, right? And the, the problem is this. In three days, a giant asteroid is coming, and it's going to hit Earth. And it has the potential to wipe out the entire population of Earth. And you're like, whoa, that's a big problem. That's, that's bad. And all the people start freaking out. All the main characters you've met are freaking out. They're scared. They're running around like crazy. And then this person shows up and says, hey, hey, don't be afraid. Everything's going to be fine because someone is going to come and someone is going to save us. It's all going to be fine. And the character's like, oh, oh, great. But then at that moment, when you're like hooked, you're, you're glued, you're like, oh, this is a great movie. Your mom walks in the movie theater. You see her down in the corner and she's like looking at you and then she sees you and she says, come here. And you're like, what? And then she says, hey, we got to go. You're like, but I need, I need it. No, we, we got to go. So what you would do there is honor your mom, by the way, and you would leave, okay? As you're walking to the car, you're asking yourself all these questions about the movie. Two specific questions, probably. Number one, who is the hero? Who's the hero of this movie? I never met the hero. I don't know who the hero is. Who, who's going to save them? And the other question is, when is the hero going to show up? When's the hero going to get there? Those are the questions 
that the prophets didn't have the answers to. So these prophets, they were prophesying all of these things. They were, they were prophesying about the Messiah. They were saying all of these things. But the truth is that the prophets didn't fully understand what they were saying. Because they didn't know who exactly the Savior, the Messiah, would be. And they did not know exactly when the Messiah would come. And so whenever the Bible here says they searched and they inquired carefully, after they were, they were saying these, after God was speaking through them, they were taking what they said, they most likely wrote them, uh, wrote them down, and they're going, what does this mean? What does this mean? Who is the Messiah? Who is the Savior? Who, like, when is this going to happen? We need this to happen. When is it going to happen? They didn't know. There are about... 330 messianic prophecies. That means prophecies about the Messiah, prophecies about Jesus. 330-ish in the Old Testament. So as you go through the Old Testament, you can read about 330 of them. And every single one of them was fulfilled in Christ. The things that were predicted about Jesus came true. 330 you guys ready to go through all 330 of these prophecies? All right. Well, buckle up. It's going to be a long one. Here we go. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Write that down. This is what it says. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, funny enough, that verse is kind of like one of the verses that we talk about. When you read it, you might go, huh? What does that mean? Now, of course, whenever you read the Bible, you should never just pick a verse and read it and say, okay, like you need the context, you need to know. And if you know the context of what's going on around this verse, you know this is God talking. He's talking to the serpent. He's talking to Satan. And this is after Satan tempted Adam and Eve and they fell into sin. And so what God is telling Satan here, what he's doing, is he's actually saying, hey, I'm going to send someone. I'm going to send a Savior, and the Savior is going to defeat you, Satan. What it says, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So immediately after the first sin happened, God preaches the first gospel. That verse is known as the first gospel. The first prediction of the Messiah. He's promising there will be a time where Satan is crushed completely, where Satan is defeated completely. 329 to go. Throughout the Old Testament, there are several verses that talk about how the nations will be blessed through covenants through the the covenant God established with Abraham and continues through Isaac and Jacob and then David and then and then who who was born through the lineage of David really important person Jesus good job that's a Sunday school answer Isaiah 7:14 it says this the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel it's a messianic prediction Isaiah is prophesying about the Messiah he's saying the, the virgin shall conceive and will have a son, and his name will be Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. And that was fulfilled. Micah 5.2 
predicted that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. I want you to just, just, okay, don't just go, okay, cool. No, listen. Listen to how specific that is. That it was predicted through the prophets that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. Psalm 40 says that the Messiah would be the perfect sacrifice. Psalm 78 says that the Messiah will teach in parables. What did we just study? Parables. Again, how specific is that? Yeah, he's, he's going to teach and he's going to teach in parables. And not just that, Isaiah 6 says the Messiah's parables will be misunderstood. They were misunderstood by many, many people, and they still are today. Again, very specific. Isaiah 9 says Messiah, the Messiah's ministry will begin in Galilee. So it's predicted where he's going to be born, where his ministry is going to start in Galilee. And then Isaiah 35, Messiah's ministry will contain miracles. Jesus performed miracles, correct? Correct? Yes. Isaiah 53 says that the Messiah will be hated and rejected. Daniel 7 says the Messiah will have an everlasting throne. Daniel 9 says the Messiah will bring an end to sin. Zechariah 9.9, listen to this. Zechariah 9.9 says that the Messiah will ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. That happened, right? Yes, it did. Zechariah 11, the Messiah will be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Psalm 22, the Messiah will be forsaken by God, his hands and feet will be pierced, and his clothes will be divided by the casting of lots. All of these things came true in Christ. Psalm 118, the Messiah's resurrection is predicted. In Isaiah 25, the Messiah will conquer death. That was only 16. We could be here all day. So I'm just kidding. We're not going to talk about all 330 of them. But there are that many. Now look, I want you to understand the odds of this happening. I want you to understand that this is a big deal. I'm not just spouting off trivia facts for you to go home and say, oh, cool, yeah, a lot of cool things happen. No, like, just, this is how important this is. This, this is how amazing. I'm going to try and help you. I'm just going to try and help you understand. So pay attention. Here we go. I gave you 16 of those prophecies that were fulfilled, but for, to start, let's just talk about eight. Let's just talk about eight of them. So half of what I just told you, we're talking about eight. There's a man named Dr. Peter Stoner, and he wrote a book all about the odds of these prophecies coming through in Jesus. And he put a number to it. Here, here are the, the odds of one man fulfilling eight things foretold about him. The odds of that are one in ten. I'm just kidding. Here it is. One in ten to the 17th power. Do you guys know what that means? Do you guys know what that means? The, uh, yeah. 17 zeros behind the number, the number one. That, that's such a big number that we don't even have a name for it. Like, gazillion, it's bigger than that. It's not even a real number, I don't think. But the point is, it's a huge number. One in 10 to the 17th power. That eight of these things would come true. How many came true? 330. That's just eight of them. Oh, here, I'm going to help you visualize this. This is so cool. This is just so cool. All right? I want you to think about the state of Texas. 
You ever been to Texas? Raise your hand, you've been to Texas. You ever driven through Texas? It takes forever. It's a huge state. So think about the state of Texas, and then think about a quarter. I want you to imagine that the entire state of Texas was filled with quarters two feet deep. So here's what I mean. This thing right here is not even two, I mean, like two feet of quarters across the entire state of Texas. Now then let's say that I took one of those quarters and I wrote my initials on it and I took a helicopter and flew over the state and I dropped that quarter with my initials in there and then I took Paxton and I said, hey man, I'm going to blindfold you and, uh, and I'm going to just push you out of the helicopter at a random point. You have a parachute, you'll be fine. And your job is to find the quarter with my initials on it with one try. The odds of that happening are 1 in 10 to the 17th power. That's, that's, that's crazy. You understand? That Jesus fulfilled all these prophecies. That's eight of them. Let's talk about 16. So that was 16. The odds of that happening, we'll put a number to it, is 1 in 10 to the 45th power. That's just 16. All right? Now let's visualize this. <laughs> Stick with me. This one's a little bit more complicated. Same thing. Quarters, right? But uh, let's, let's imagine that we got enough quarters to make a ball of quarters so big that the center of that ball to the outside edge of the ball was 30 times the distance of earth to the sun. It's way too many quarters. The distance, the distance of the earth to the sun is 93 million miles away. Multiply that by 30. That's how big this ball of quarters is. And again, I take one, put my initials on it, and I grab Paxton. And I said, hey man, put the blindfold on. You have one chance to find the quarter with my initials. The odds of that happening are 1 in 10 to the 45th power. And that's just 16. 16 prophecies fulfilled of Jesus. There were 330 that were fulfilled in Jesus. Now, why am I telling you this? Why, why is this so important? For multiple reasons. And the first reason is this. It's important for you to know biblical prophecy and for you to understand about biblical prophecy because it is a way for you to be confident that the Bible is totally true. I'm going to say it again. I want you to look at me. Biblical prophecy being fulfilled in Jesus, it's a way for you to know and be confident that the Bible is totally true. It's completely true. No other religious book has any sort of, of anything like this. No other religious book has had prophecies like this fulfilled. No, nothing else is like this. 
So when people come up to you and they say, oh, you're a Christian, how can you be, you know, the Bible's, it's not even real, it's, a bun- it's written down by a bunch of people, how can you believe it's real? You can say now, hey, well, let me talk to you about prophecy. Did you know that 330, and you, you can talk about this, and, and this is a way that we can be confident, we can be completely confident that the Bible is totally true. And not just that, But when you understand biblical prophecy, when you understand the Old Testament, what the Old Testament is saying, it helps you to understand the New Testament as well. If anyone has ever told you that the Old Testament is not important anymore, they lied to your face. The Old Testament is still so important. It is God's word to us and it's filled with all of these predictions. It helps us understand what's happening in the New Testament. So as you get to know the Old Testament better, it'll help you know the New Testament better. They work hand in hand together like that. So if anyone tells you it's not important, it's very important. Now, I'm not even to my third point yet. Um, But what did I tell you at the beginning? I I told you that I wanted all of you to be thinking, wow. Are you guys there yet? Have you guys thought that? Good. Because listen, we're still talking about salvation. Jesus came. He fulfilled all these prophecies. He provided a way to be saved. Like This is what we're talking about. This is what the prophets were writing about. This is what they were prophesying about. This is what they were talking about. So Peter says that it was revealed to the prophets that they were not serving themselves, but they were serving you. They weren't prophesying for themselves because they didn't even know the answers. They're serving you. They're serving Christians, people today who are alive today on the other side of the Messiah coming and living perfectly and dying and taking the punishment for sin and raising again. The prophets were serving you and me through what they were saying. Because we can understand what they were talking about. We get, we get to know what they were talking about. And so these things that the prophets were prophesying about that they didn't understand, you can fully understand what they were talking about now because of where we are in history. Because Jesus has come, the prophecies have come true, and people have preached it to you and, and told you about it. Right, so here's, here's the third point. I want you to realize the privilege of knowing the gospel. I want you to realize that it is a privilege. I want you to realize how blessed you are. Point number three is put on the screen. Realize the privilege of knowing the gospel. It's a privilege. It's a blessing for you to know. And look, I'm, I'm using the word know because I'm talking about Christians and non-Christians. Of course, it's a privilege. It's a blessing if you've put your trust in Jesus and you are saved. But, but it's also a privilege for you to even just know about it, to know the answers, to know what we're talking about. Because for thousands of years, people were saying, it's going to happen, but we don't know when. It's going to happen, but we don't know when. You are blessed and privileged that God decided in his infinite wisdom to put you at this point in history. It is a privilege for you to know the gospel. And I want you to realize how big of a privilege it is, right? Not, not just because of what the prophets are saying, right? It's a, it's a privilege because you get to hear it preached to you. It says in 1 Peter, he talks about the, the things have been announced to you through those preached who preached the good news. The good news is the gospel, It's a privilege for you to be able to sit in a room and to hear the gospel proclaimed to be preached 
through different people. It's a privilege. It's a blessing. And I want you to understand, it's a privilege. <clears throat> it's kind of like it's kind of like this. I'm, I'm going to try and help you feel what the prophets felt like. Have you ever walked up to a group of your friends and they were standing in a circle and they were talking about something? And you stand on the outside of the circle and you're listening in and you're trying to insert yourself into the conversation and you're listening and you're like, okay, all right, I'm going to, I think, I think I get what they're talking about. And you're listening and then you're like, okay, no, I've got no clue what they're talking about. And then you finally ask the question like, hey guys, what are we talking about? And they like look at you and then they don't tell you. And you're like, what? Like, I want to know what you're talking, anybody, has that ever happened to you before? Where you're like, what are, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? You feel left out. You're like, wait, guys, like, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? And then finally, they're like, okay, and they tell you, and then you're like, oh, and like, like oh yeah, I know now. I, I know what you're talking about now, okay? Like, you're like, oh, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And then you know, and then you're relieved. You're happy that you figured out what was being talked about. That's kind of like what we're talking about here, okay? The prophets were prophesying this thing. They didn't know what they were talking about, and you should feel privileged because you know exactly what they were talking about. So really, that situation with your friends doesn't exactly work because in that, you know, in that illustration, like, it'd be like you walking up to your friends and saying, hey, what are we talking about? And they look at you and they go, oh, I don't know. We don't, we don't even know. And you're like, well, well, how can we know? And then people 2,000 years later end up figuring out what you were talking about. <clears throat> Maybe that's not helpful. I don't know, but... The point is, the point is, prophets didn't know what was going on. You and I are privileged to know the answers about the Messiah, to know who the Messiah is, that he came, who he is, and how to be saved. We're privileged that we get to hear the gospel preached over and over, that we get to know the answer to these questions. The gospel is meant to be preached. The gospel is meant to to be preached. God expects you and commands you, if you are a Christian, to be sharing the gospel. So we need to take, as Christians, we need to say, okay, it is a privilege, it is a blessing for me to know this, that I am saved, that I get to know this and understand it, and now I need to tell people about it. The fact that you understand and you know the gospel, it should make you excited. You should be like, I, I know this. I know what it is. It's such a blessing to know. It's such a blessing that, that I'm saved, so I just can't wait to tell people about this. You, you should be eager and just like excited to tell your non-Christian friends about the gospel, your non-Christian family members about the gospel, your, your, your non-Christian neighbors. You should be like, I, we know, we have the answers. We have the answers of salvation. We know, we know what, I know what you have to do. Can I, can I please tell you what you have to do to be saved? Can I, there's, the, oh, there's only one way. There's one way and I really need, you need to know. Can I please tell you? It's such a privilege for us to know we need to be taking that and just, just be excited to share it. The gospel is meant to be preached. You need to be, you need to be sharing the gospel. And look, now Peter says one more really interesting thing about salvation. At the very end of that thing, he says, things into which angels long to look. Things into which angels long to look. To look. That's how amazing, that's how incredible salvation is. That there are angels, and we're, talk, we're talking about like perfect, not fallen angels, we're talking about God's angels. These are perfect beings. They're eternal beings. They're in God's presence. They're God's messengers. 
But the Bible says that salvation, the salvation that you and I get to experience, is so wonderful that even these angels, they're wishing, when it says look to, picture like leaning in. Like they're, they're like, their necks are stretched and they're like, like leaning in. They really want to know. They, they wish, they desire that they could be a part of what we're talking about. Angels are not created in the image of God. The only creation created in God's image are people, are human beings. Human beings are the only creation that get to experience God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness through salvation in Jesus Christ. We're the only ones. And it is such an amazing, it's such, excuse me, it's such an incredible thing that the angels are looking at it and they're going, I wish I, I, I wish I could be a part of it. I want to experience grace. I want to experience it. It's, it's such an awesome thing. That, that should just make us go, wow. Wow. We get to be saved. We get to be a part of this. That's, that's amazing. Even the angels are thinking this way about it. So look, you need to, you need to understand how blessed you are. Right? I want you to understand what salvation is. It's important to understand what Peter's talking about whenever he talks about the biblical prophecy. And I want you to realize it's a privilege to know the gospel. So all these verses, verses 1 through 12, have been about one thing, and it's about salvation. Now listen to me. I want all of you to be clear about something. I want all of you in this room today to be clear about something, and I want you to know, if I was to ask you one-on-one, hey, are you saved? I want you to know the answer to that question, yes or no. I don't want, I don't want any of you to say, I'm not sure, I don't know, it needs to be clear, yes or no. And if you're not clear, if you have questions, if you don't understand the things that I'm talking about, if, if you go to small group and people are talking about repentance and salvation and, and you're just kind of pretending to know what they're talking about, don't do that anymore. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed to find your leader to come and talk to me and say, hey, I, I, I need to ask you questions. I've got questions. I need, I, need to, I need you to answer these questions. Please, I need help to figure this out. There's nothing more important than what we're talking about this morning. There's nothing more important than, than you putting your trust in Jesus. So if you are at a point where you're like, I, I don't know, I need help, go to your leader, please. Come talk to me. If it needs to be this morning, I'll stay here and come and talk to me and say, Pastor Jacob, I need to talk to you. I will talk to you. Your leaders will do this. Your parents will do this. Because again, I'll say this, if you haven't put your trust in Jesus, you're on the outside looking in. You don't get to experience any of these wonderful things that we're talking about, that the Bible talks about. You have to put your trust in Jesus in order to be saved. So if, if you are a Christian, and, and you're, if you're a Christian, I want you to be confident that you are. Be confident that you're saved. And, and listen, maybe you're here this morning, and your answer would be, no, I'm not a Christian. I know, I know I'm not a Christian, I'm not. Well, my last question for you would be, why not? Another question would be, what are you waiting for? What's holding you back? You need to put your trust in Jesus. That's my prayer, that every single person in this room will have put their trust in Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you so much for the gospel. Thank you for sending your son. 
Jesus, thank you for living a perfect life in my place, for taking the punishment for sin that I deserve. You took my place. Thank you for raising from the dead, for providing a way for us to be saved. God, I pray that every single student, every single leader in this room would be confident they've put their trust in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.